from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. At some point, we're not even thinking about that. When we go to the studio, we're just making music. We're just, you know, attempting to, you know, to to bridge gaps and and inform and and inspire and um, put people in the mood. So were they the kind of ministers who are in favor of of great jazz, or did they see this as a a bad influence? You know what? My parents um, believed that um, you know, your gift will make room for you and the, the blessings that, that, that God gives you, you take it and God will be the person who um, provides the increase as to what is important to people and the message will shine through. I'm Sarah Fenske. Jazz legend Keon Harold has a brand new role. He recently signed on for a three-year term as creative advisor for Jazz St. Louis. For Harold, the role is a homecoming. He was born and raised in Ferguson and got involved with the organization back when it was called Jazz at the Bistro. That was about 25 years ago when he was just a teenager. Now, of course, he's a jazz trumpeter, vocalist, songwriter, activist, educator, and producer. Or, as he calls himself on his 2017 album, a musician. Like musician, with a G, to indicate magic and musical alchemy. And that is the title track on Keon Harold's 2017 album, The Mugician. And he joins us today. Keon Harold, welcome. Hello. So, Keon, what do you mean when you call yourself a mugician? Do you see music as magic? I absolutely do. Um, and that comes from, I worked on a project with Don Cheadle, um, the Miles Davis biopic, Miles Ahead. And I, you know, I, I worked on it and it was an amazing experience. And I had to do some things that people don't typically do um, as far as how I was able to um, act as Miles Davis, but just simply playing the horn. Um, it was it was a very interesting process, and, and um, Don called me a, a, magi- a musician for being magical um, in how I approached it. So you had to be Miles Davis's uh, music in that film or perform as if you were him. Was that hard to capture the essence of such a legend? Oh, it was, you know, it was a continuum, I feel. Um, I really look at music as, you know, like parents. Um, sometimes your parents will, will give you something to think about, and sometimes you pay attention, then sometimes you don't. But then after a while, you grow, and you say, oh, my God, that was pure logic. That was the way to go. And it's the same thing. It's like you listen to what, what, what your parents say. You don't always pay attention to it, but it sticks with you. And when it's time, you kind of put it out there in the world to see. And it's, you know, it's a part of your DNA. Hmm. So it's interesting you mentioned parents. This is something I was going to ask you about. I understand that you're one of 16 children. Wh- which are you in the birth order? 
Um, I couldn't. Let me see which number. You don't I'm even on. know. That's how many kids are in your family. <laughs> ten. I think I'm number ten. You're the tenth. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I understand your parents are are both in the ministry, or were both in the ministry. Is that right? Yeah, they were both in the ministry. My mom has since passed away. Um, my dad was was a was a pastor and minister, and my mother was a um. A, a minister and um, evangelist as well. So were they the kind of ministers who are in favor of, of great jazz, or did they see this as a, a bad influence? You know what? My parents um, believed that, um, you know, your gift will make room for you, and the, the blessings that, that, that God gives you, you take it, and God will be the person who um, provides the increase as to what is important to people and the message will shine through. Hmm. So you were growing up in Ferguson and this family with the, these parents in the ministry, 15 other siblings. Uh, were there a lot of musical influences there at home? Absolutely. Music was a was a pillar in our house. Um, my grandfather started a drum and bugle corps in St. Louis, the Memorial Lancers Drum and Bugle Corps, in which all of my entire, you know, all of my cousins, all of my brothers and sisters, we all had to be a part of this thing. <laughs> um, and you know, I wanted to play um, drums, but I ended up on the on on the horn. <laughs> so you know, I was promised that I'd have the opportunity to play the drums if nobody else showed up. But obviously, everybody wants to play the drums. I started progressing on the on the on the horn, and the rest is history. Wow! So this was almost a family obligation that you had to learn this bugle. Absolutely. And there was your destiny. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I can see how that got you started on it. I got to ask, though, how did you start hanging out at Jazz at the Bistro when you were just about 14 years old? Well, it was it was a progression because I was um, the type of um, person who was always wanting to to be be connected to the scene. Um, I had been practicing on my own, you know, for hours and hours and trying to transcribe and listen and, and play like Miles Davis and play like Clifford Brown and, and Clark Terry and so many others. Um, I met some people because I started going to, to VAP, Central Visual and Performing Arts um, High School. Um, I went to McClure High School, mm. um, but I would go to VAP because their music program was great and there was, and there was a lot of, you know, kids my age who were really doing it. Um, so from there, I met a guy named, um, um, so many different people, a guy named Richard Henderson, rest his soul, um, Josephine Lockhart. And they would always, you know, they were the elders from the Jazz Crusaders who would tell, him, who would tell me, um, you know, you got to go to this place, you got to go to that place. Um, and obviously the bistro um, was the premier place for jazz where I could go down and listen. You know, I met a um, wonderful lady, rest her soul, um, Barbara Rose, who was the proprietor at the um, Jazz at the Bistro for a long time. And she made it the bistro um, home for me. You know, obviously at, at the age of 13 and 14 and 15, I didn't have any money um, to pay for shows, but they made it possible where, you know, if you could play an instrument, you can come down and check out music for free. And that was one of the things that really helped me and allowed me to learn, to see greatness, um, to see an image that I wanted to be, and to actually just, you know, sometimes even sit in and, and, and play with the legends, which was, you know, um, invaluable experience. That, that sounds amazing. I mean, did that end up opening up other opportunities for you after, after you got that opportunity? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so many other opportunities. Obviously, I got a chance to see um, and sit in with Roy Hargrove and Christian McBride and um, Cyrus Chestnut and so many amazing, amazing musicians. Um, and to see them in the flesh, um, they they also had the opportunity to meet me, and I was, you know, um, recommended to to Winton Marcellus via. Um, Barbara Rose and Jazz at the Bistro because they 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 needed to pick, um, you know, a a a kid to represent St. Louis um, at the Vail Jazz Foundation at the Vail Jazz Party. And when I went, I met amazing people. I met um, Robert Glasper and Terrace Martin when I was at the age of six um, sixteen. Um, that's where we first met, and we still work together to this day. Obviously, their premiere musicians in in the world of music um you know and it, it's such a interesting thing that it that started with my connection um with jazz at the bistro um that i got a chance to meet these amazing people i call them my brothers now brothers from another um you know and the music is 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 still permeating daily so it sounds like this organization, Jazz at the Bistro, is now Jazz St. Louis. Um, this is mm-hmm. something that's so close to your heart, and, and frankly, integral to getting to you where, getting you to where you are today. Absolutely. So this role you have here, you're going to be the creative advisor. I understand that part of what you want to do with that is curate performances for St. Louis that showcase jazz in new and different lights. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean. Um, sometimes the idea of um, jazz, you know, superimposed with something else can can be looked at as, um, it can be looked down upon sometimes um, when it's not done authentically, when it's not done in a very real, creative, um, visceral kind of way. And sometimes people try these things, but they don't even really have the experience. Um, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to work with some of the greatest you know, musicians in all fields, um, from hip hop to R and B to to rock and roll to whatever. Um, you know, Keith Richards to Jay Z. I've been blessed to work with um, amazing people. So I plan on you know using my experience and 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 and, and my um, reach to to bring some of these people here and to do something special. I mean, for me, jazz is a an incredible art form. But there's only 12 notes, and the idea, the word jazz is one thing, but music um, permeates through it all. So I want to use the idea of, you know, music as a language, um, jazz as a language, to mix that with the R&B, to mix that with the rock and roll, to mix that with art, to mix that with so many different things, to curate something special that most people wouldn't see. Knowing, I mean, living in New York City and going back and forth to L.A. and all over the world, I get a chance to see amazing people who maybe some people haven't experienced yet. And they'll get an opportunity to engage with these um, special artists because I believe they're special. So I feel like we should do something special. So I feel like a great example of something you've done that's special, that was a collaboration with someone outside the traditional jazz genre. Uh, This was a collaboration with the rapper Common on a song called Running. This was for World Refugee Day in 2016. Uh, Let's play a piece of that.
Where I'm running to is running through my mind. Always on the run, am I running out of time? Darkness in my way, I pray that the sun will shine. Started from the bottom and that was underlined by the place that I'm from. Sometimes it's undivined. I hear them songs of freedom and they running through my mind. Close my eyes, imagine a place next to me where I no longer can be labeled a refugee. Destiny, oh, somewhere down these dark roads. Yeah, we the lost tribe, but we found our souls. Cold rain, old pain, I love along the way I fight through the night just to find a stronger day And that is Running by Andrea Pizziconi, Keon Harold, and Jason Harold, featuring Common and Gregory Porter. Um, so this song isn't just a song. This is also, it has to do with refugees. Do you feel like you also have a role as an activist? Absolutely. Um, it's just something that's been in my heart um, to try to, you know, speak for the voiceless if, if, if I possibly can, um, to use my platform as a way to connect people and to free people, um, if, if, if that's a thing. Um, I can just remember watching the news and watching television. I was in Paris, and I, I looked and I said, man, I got to do something. And we paired, you know, this with Refugee International. We had some friends there, and it, it was the the perfect collaboration to, to try to get some funds on the ground when, when things were really, really going wrong, um, which was, you know, an amazing thing to basically, you know, put these amazing artists together, rap to jazz. Gregory Porter was on there. I produced the whole record and, and performed on it and wrote the song and had my friend Common, because we go way back. Um, as a musician, my first professional um touring job was working with Common when I was about 18 years old. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So you seem to know everybody in the music world who's worth knowing, at least. Um, you've worked with Snoop Dogg, as you said, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Eminem, Maxwell. Um, is there, in those collaborations with people who aren't traditional jazz artists, do you feel a part of yourself that, that's maybe unleashed or, or opened up? Absolutely. I feel like it's... Um, it's it's honesty being unleashed when I work with these people. They, I mean, I guess the idea of the genre is is, is a marketing um, tool that helps people, you know, be able to decipher. Okay, I want that kind of song, that kind of song. But when these people sing, it's about the vibrations that are going to people's core. Um, the idea of jazz, the idea of hip hop, the idea of of, of of rock and roll or rap, whatever it is, you know. At some point, we're not even thinking about that. When we go to the studio, we're just making music. We're just, you know, attempting to, you know, to to bridge gaps and and inform and and inspire and um, put people in a mood. Ultimately, the idea of the 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 titles is secondary. Um, and being um, in my new role at, at Jazz St. Louis, I I want the, the the title to be secondary. I want the idea of experience to be first priority. So you're still in your first week in this new role with Jazz St. Louis. So I know it's it's not fair to ask you too specifically because you're you're still figuring that out. But what are you most looking forward to as you get up and going in that job? My I'm I am most looking forward to bringing some 
bringing together some amazing people and bringing them home to St. Louis, the place that I love, the place that I grew up, um, and sharing culture um, and sharing experiences and um, playing some beautiful music, ultimately. Um, and I want people to, to let their hair down and have a good time. Um, that, that's what I'm looking forward to, seeing people's faces and, and, and seeing people in those seats and seeing people, you know, um, just letting loose and having having a great time and being inspired. And some of these celebrity musicians, you think they'll be willing to come to St. Louis and to, to perform here um, in this small jazz setting? You know what? I feel like people just need an opportunity to to do something special and and they're ready to rock and roll literally um it doesn't really matter if 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 you love what you do it doesn't matter if you put, if if you're performing in front of one person um or or 100,000 people um when the vibe is right when there's integrity when there's um um people to be fed um the opportunity no matter where it is, is is a, is a great opportunity to to simply share. And as an artist, you know, we want to share. We want to create solutions. As I mean, I like to call artists solutionists. We want that opportunity to, to 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 get to people's heart, to get to people's soul, and give them another way to think about this world. So you know, no matter if it's a small venue or a huge amphitheater, it doesn't even really matter. You know, we're here to have a good time, and we're here to here to here to Hit a, hit a blaze it out for people. Well, Keon Harold, we look forward to joining you as you do that. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And it's nice to talk to you. But I really know that difference between magic and music, to tell you the truth. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Yeah, right now I said self as a, a one where music, music can use me. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.